All right, Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Exodus 20, beginning at verse 1. I do this sort of as a review. So each week we read from verse 1 to and through whatever commandment we are dealing with on a given evening. And tonight we will read through verse 11. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And then for today, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so this evening we continue our study of the Ten Commandments. And uh, one commentator that I came across this past week calls the fourth commandment the commandment that we love to hate. I think that's pretty strong language. Um, but I see his point. Really, when you think about it, it's the blessing that we love to hate. Because many of us either chafe under the fourth commandment, or we ignore the fourth commandment, or we choose to observe the fourth commandment, but in ways that are most convenient for us. But you know, it's my desire this evening for you to come to see and enjoy the wonderful blessing that is the Lord's day and to rely on that blessing each and every week. So we're gonna do that in a couple of ways. We're gonna look at that command on what it kind of unquestionably meant in the context in which it was given. And then we're gonna take some time to uh, ponder its relevance to us in unfortunately, maybe some confrontational ways. But I want you to see, first of all, the, the straight commandment as it is given in verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That's the basic command. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then when you move into verses nine and 10, it gives us the, the specifics, the, the nuts and bolts about how to keep this command. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your manservant or maidservant, your animals, nor the alien within your gates. And then Zach did a wonderful job of laying the groundwork for this already with the kids, but the rationale of this command is provided in verse 11. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, the command itself. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The command itself is a call to remembrance. Remember that the day of rest is not like other days, It must be kept distinct by God's people. If we wanted a short summary of what God is saying to Israel here, it would be, remember to keep the day of rest holy and undefiled. Now, it's interesting to me that this fourth commandment, this commandment that we have some of the hardest time with, is one of the only two commandments that is stated in a positive way. The commandment doesn't begin with, thou shalt not. It begins with remember. And to remember means to observe. How do you remember the Sabbath day? You keep it holy by observing its sacred distinction. It is not like the other days. It is not like the other days. The other days are important as well for their own uh, activity, but the seventh day, the Sabbath day, is different. It's different, it's distinct. I also, um, you know, before you argue with me, I also want to just mention that to remember means more than just simple mental activity, uh, thinking to yourself that, okay, well, I'm remembering it because I remember that God rested on the seventh day after he did the work of creation in six days. It's more than just remembering with your mind. It's more than just a mental activity. It is an active embrace of the realization that God, in his grace, rested on that day. And he did so not because he needed to. He did so for my benefit and for my well-being. And the command in remembering this day is to remember that God rested on the seventh day for my own good and remembering it as a command to go and do likewise. So to say remember the Sabbath day is a call for us to enter into a regular time of rest that is patterned after God's resting on the seventh day day of creation. Do you need more evidence? Jesus, in Mark chapter 2, tells us straight up, very specifically, that God took the Sabbath because we needed it. The Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. 
And you know, I don't want you to think that means that, that because the Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath, that the Sabbath is, is somehow optional. That it's, that it's okay to ignore it. If we, if we feel really energized seven days a week and we feel like we, you know, when it comes down to it, we, we really don't need it. No, it doesn't give us that rationale. Just because it was made for us doesn't give us a whole spectrum of options as to what to do with it. That's not Jesus' point. And that's not the point of the Old Testament either. Whether we feel as though we need it or not, God created the Sabbath day, notice, even before our fall into sin, because he knows better than we do that we need this day of rest and worship. And so in his mercy and his compassion and his goodness, he gives us this particular commandment. And our Sabbaths, just as Sabbaths as they were observed in the Old Testament, are copies of that original creation order Sabbath. The other interesting point that uh, occurred to me this week is that, that God never asks of you something that he's not willing to do himself. That's why he weaves it into the very creation order. God says, remember the Sabbath day. Remember the day when you stop working each week. It is a day of rest, and it is a day of worship. Now, the very concept and practice of the Sabbath day and of Sabbath rest was unique to God's people when this command was first given. It was a completely foreign concept to the nations surrounding Israel. It was one of the primary ways that Israel was distinct from the peoples and the groups around them. Why? Found this very interesting. It's because all the religious calendars of the pagan cultures surrounding God's people were based on the sun and the moon. Or... In other words, based on the solar and the lunar calendars. Now, the sun and the moon were worshipped as gods, and therefore the cycles of the sun and the moon determined the religious practices and also the rhythms of life for the cultures surrounding Israel. Among all those cultures, only God's people were given a seven-day cycle of religious worship. To emphasize that the God who gave them this day was sovereign over the sun and moon. And they were to observe this day because of his own creation pattern. So that said, how does a person keep the Sabbath? Verse nine and 10 again, get into the specific requirements of the fourth commandment. Seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, son or daughter, manservant, maidservant, animals, aliens within your gates. Here we have an explanation. Like I said, a nuts and bolts explanation of what is commanded in verse eight. And I want you to notice a couple things. First, 
This day belongs to God in a very unique way. Now, granted, all days belong to God, but this day, the Sabbath day, belongs to him in a very unique sense. The Sabbath not only belongs to him, but it is his day because of what he did on this day after creating the cosmos. So that's the first thing I want you to notice. It's not a day that belongs to us. It's a day that belongs to God. Second, and this is very obvious, but I, don't, I want you to take notice again of the rhythm that is presented here of work and rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. It's very specific. It's very simple. I mean, if you like black and white, there's nothing gray about this. It is specific and it is simple, and yet we struggle with it so much. The explanation for those of you who do enjoy work and are called to work and are very passionate about your work, notice that the explanation begins with the flip side of rest. It begins with labor. And it says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. So God, in giving us the Sabbath day, is not calling us to laziness. He's not calling us to sloth. No, first he calls us to six days of diligent, productive labor. He's calling us to meaningful activity in serving him six days out of every week. There is a rhythm of work and rest that must be practiced in order to live a life pleasing to God. So there are actually two sides of the Sabbath. You have the labor side and you have the rest side and both are important. There is a proper time for one and there is a proper and appropriate time for the other. And as we already mentioned, this is a pattern that was established by God himself. Therefore, God's order of creation had societal implications and consequences for everyone in Israel. That's the third thing I wanna point out. It was to have implications for families. It was to have implications for servants. It was to have implications for foreigners, even unbelievers living amongst God's people. It was to have implications even for animals. In fact, if you look closely at Exodus 20, verse 10, there are actually seven categories of beings that are covered here who were to benefit from the Lord's day, from the Sabbath. You, your sons, your daughters, your male servants, your female servants, your domestic animals, and foreigners that live among you. So you have something of an egalitarian principle here on the Sabbath rest and the requirements thereof. Look, there might have been a temptation to say, well, I'm gonna give my sons a day of rest, but, but I'll just give all the work that needs to be done to my daughters. Doesn't work that way. There might have been a temptation to say, okay, well, I'll just give all of my kids a day of rest then, but, but you know, I'm gonna have my servants make up for it. Doesn't work. 
What about my animals? I got to keep them going. What about foreigners within our gates? They don't matter anyway. They don't even believe in God. Doesn't work. You see, God intended for the whole societal order to benefit from this day of rest, believers and unbelievers. I want you to remember that God is speaking this command to a generation of slaves. For 400 years, these people had been in Egypt and their time had not been their own. Other people determined when they worked, other people determined when they rested, other people drove them into the ground with hard labor, one day being just like the next. You might as well not have even had days of the week because every single day was the same. They were treated like robots. They were treated like machines to to just produce the same thing day after day after day. And now the sovereign God who had rescued them out of Egypt, the God of heaven and earth says to them, here's the rule in my country. Seven and a half weeks of mandatory vacation every year. Man, those slaves should have been dancing at the foot of that mountain. Seven and a half weeks of mandatory vacation every year to a people who didn't know one day from the next because they were forced to work every single day. And in a day and time like ours, where workaholism is an epidemic, at least on an individual level, where our corporate and societal structure are pushing us to to constant productivity. Let me ask you, is there something unattractive about seven and a half weeks of mandatory vacation? Brothers and sisters, the Sabbath, the Sabbath is a day of blessing. Sabbath is a blessing, and yet so many of us, so many of us undervalue it and misuse it. And so I want to confront you in a few different ways tonight, just as food for thought. I want you to think about your work, and I want you to think about your worship. Look, we respect hard work. And no question, you're not gonna get an argument from me. Hard work is something to be proud of. Hard work, I would argue, is even something that we are called to. But has it gotten to the point where work has become at least an ultimate priority in our lives? I mean, I've, I've treated it this way too. I know that many of you have. I mean, it's become a badge of honor to kind of be on call 24-7. Because what each one of us does for our respective organizations is just so important. It gives us a sense of pride, gives us a sense of value. But is that where we should be getting our sense of value? Unfortunately, this is a disordered way of thinking and it leads to a disordered life. We were not created like machines to be productive all the time. It's not healthy. As a matter of fact, it's, it's what I just said. It's prideful. It's prideful and it's not reflective of reality. It's not even true. 
So think carefully, are you doing unnecessary work and activity on the Sabbath? Now, both the Old Testament and the New Testament recognized that there was such a thing as necessary work. When Jesus allowed for his disciples to provide food for themselves on the Sabbath day as they walked through the grain fields, he wasn't inventing something new. It was appropriate for the disciples to feed themselves on the Sabbath. Even the Mosaic law made allowances for necessary activity on the Sabbath. If you were called upon to show mercy, Sabbath or not, you needed to show mercy. So there are legitimate things. There are legitimate activities. I'm thankful that there are health professionals, doctors, and nurses, that there are firemen and paramedics and policemen and pastors who make themselves available to work on the Sabbath. But those, you have to understand, are the exceptions. They're the exceptions that provide societal stability in extraordinary situations and circumstances. But what is your excuse for doing unnecessary work on the Sabbath? Is Sunday your day to catch up on chores that need to be done around the house? Is Sunday your day to catch up on the previous week's emails? Is Sunday like a a bonus day to be used when you feel like it to get a jump on the work of the following week? Students, Is Sunday your catch-up day for homework that you could have easily done on Saturday? Look, I'm not being judgy. And I will admit that some of this is gray area stuff. And we don't want to be pharisaical about the Sabbath. But at the same time, I think there is probably much less gray area than we would like to admit. And here's a hard truth I want you to consider. Once your schedule belongs to someone else, you're back in slavery again. And you will not experience the freedom that God intends and provides in his Sabbath. The irony is that we're doing this to ourselves. The Sabbath day is a divine provision of sacred space of time, and it is a glorious thing. Observance of the Sabbath is spiritually beneficial to us because resting from our work forces us to trust in God's provision. It requires us to exercise a measure of faith when we do it. The Sabbath is also to be an opportunity to exercise our commitment to corporate worship. Are you keeping the Lord's day? Or are you keeping the Lord's morning? Or even the Lord's hour? Do you use the Sabbath in the ways that God intended? Spending time connecting with your family, perhaps talking about God's word. Private time, doing devotions, reading the Bible, contemplating God's work in your lives as you take a walk in a beautiful place reorienting ourselves to God's agenda rather than doubling down on our own plans. Sunday evening worship, whether it's Super Bowl Sunday or not. 
You see the value of beginning and ending the Sabbath with the people of God, delighting in their fellowship, encouraged and sustained by it. Brothers and sisters, the Sabbath is a blessing. And when we forfeit the Sabbath, it is to our loss. Because you don't break the Sabbath, the Sabbath breaks you. In fact, the way that God deals with those who do not observe his Sabbath is to allow us to have our own way. And do you know what happens? We lose it. We get to the point where we're just not in the habit of taking the Sabbath rest anymore. We lose it. And that is his punishment, letting us have our own way. Scripture tells us that we are to observe the day of Sabbath rest because God observed it first. And he did so for us, not for him. It is a gift. And scripture also invites us to act as God himself acted. And it is fitting because after all, Zach mentioned this too, we are made in God's image. Heidelberg Catechism question and answer 103 asks, what is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? And it answers first that the gospel ministry and education for it be maintained and that especially on the festive day of rest, I regularly attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to God publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work through me in his spirit and so begin already in this life, the eternal Sabbath. And so, a true observance of the Sabbath will always involve contemplating what God did in creation, what God did in redemption, what Jesus did in his resurrection, and what it will be like when we experience the eternal Sabbath to come. The Sabbath is a blessing and not a curse. It is not intended to be an inconvenience or a burden. And when we delight in it, we will be refreshed. That is God's promise to us. Amen. Let's pray.